it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up, what's up? We are live, GC Live, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, coming at you for the first time this year on a Monday after a Gamecock victory, which means... Frankly, it's a little bit easier Monday for us on Gamecock Central. A little bit more positivity in the air. And uh, really just, I would say, a more fun show to do, honestly. Coming off a win for the Gamecocks, 41-7 to victory over Vanderbilt. And obviously, we're going to continue to break down that win here on the show today. We'll give you our initial thoughts. And, of course, um, maybe if we have time, just depending on the flow of the game, excuse me, flow of the show, we will maybe look ahead to the Auburn game a little bit. Obviously, we'll have all week long to get into that. But, of course, I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. This is GC Live, presented by AffordableMedicalUSA.com. You can check them out, 803-926-1493. And I got a feeling, Chris, this is going to be a show where we just get rolling and talk a lot. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about the game day chair from AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Yeah, so if you happen to be on YouTube, like we hope you are, although we appreciate you joining from anywhere, top left-hand corner, you'll see the game day chair. It is a super comfortable, super relaxing chair, power pillow, lumbar support. So when you're checking out uh, away games on your couch, even at home games, a lot of people not going to the games this year, make sure you got yourself a comfortable chair to go along with all the other comforts at home. Uh, The Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight Technology is what you need to check out for. That is the technical name for the game day chairs. So if you go to affordablemedicalusa.com, search for that. Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight. Twilight is the lay down flat position, but this chair can put you in a variety of positions. Super comfortable, awesome fabric. Thanks to those guys at Affordable Medical Equipment for their support of the show. Make sure you check out the game day chair. The link is in the description on YouTube and on GamecockCentral.com as well. And what's up to all of our live viewers who are on here already right now. The comments are just a little bit, uh, again, a little bit more positive today. Everybody seems to be in a pretty good mood, Chris. And and rightfully so, I think we knew, for one, this was an opportunity for South Carolina to win a game, you know, and sort of get some momentum and, and get that, that feeling going again. But frankly, uh, you know, it's been a long time since Carolina fans have been able to wake up on a Sunday – and, you know, feel, the, feel that feeling that, that their team won, you know, the day before. So I think that's massive for morale. I think that's massive for morale in the building as well. And obviously just a, a big positive all the way around. I, I think much like, Chris, we try to keep it in perspective when South Carolina loses a game and, and sort of 
look at the big picture. We'll, we'll do the same thing. We'll try to do the same thing with this Vanderbilt game. Um, is Vanderbilt very good? No. I would say they are going to struggle to win a game this year. I, I truly believe. And I think for those of you who are not joining all of our shows, I, I think Chris Lee from Vandy Sports, when he was on last week, sort of later in the week, and really started giving us some feedback on, on what things were like in Nashville, that's when I really, Chris, started to think, I was like, you know, I, I felt like South Carolina would win the game. That's when I really started to think South Carolina may just blow Vanderbilt out. And I thought maybe the weather would sort of uh, be a, a factor that would make the game a little bit closer than it would have been otherwise. Obviously, it wasn't unless you want to give a little bit of credit to the weather early on as both teams were sort of filling each other out. But I think – you know, we'll try to have some nuance here. With it being said that, yes, Vanderbilt is not a great football team. I think you also, on the same part of that conversation, we have to give South Carolina credit for going out and doing what they were supposed to do against a lesser opponent as opposed to letting them hang around, as opposed to getting in one of these close games where anything could happen. And really, I, I thought – offensively, you know, started out three and out, but from that point forward, even the next two drives, uh, you know, weren't beautiful drives, but I think each was like 40-something yards. One was a field goal, one was a missed field goal. Then you have a 96-yard drive, and then every single drive from that point forward was a touchdown or it was a score other than the end of half and other than once they had put in the backups. I, I think I, I think that's the case. So – Chris, I would say a game where South Carolina business-like just went about, did what they were supposed to do against um, a team that they frankly should beat. Yeah, I mean, I think there there was some what, – what you had to avoid if you're South Carolina in this game, you didn't want to leave this game um, feeling like you didn't play well at all against what, what ended up being a vastly inferior opponent. You know, we knew that South Carolina – from a talent standpoint, was going to be better because, let's just be frank, I mean, that Vanderbilt's going to be in that position about against almost everybody on the roster, if not everybody on the roster. Um, and so then you look at the fact that they were shorthanded. You know, they were down 30 players or so. Now, not all those were guys who played, but they had some significant contributors out in the game, especially in the secondary. And so, you know, when you look at that <clears> – <throat> You knew that, and we talked about this on Friday, I think, and Thursday, last time you were on, Wes, that South Carolina couldn't afford to go into this game and just submit a stinker and let Vandy hang around or, or have some shocking upset happen. And really, I think the way that that was going to happen is if you go down there, you turn the ball over a bunch. You know, we, we talked about week one, Texas A&M, which just upset Florida. You know, they won by five. Why did? How did they do it? They were sluggish. They turned the ball over three times especially in the second half, just a lot of things that didn't go very well for them. And so South Carolina was able to play a clean game. You know, they turned the ball over late on the Zaquandre White fumble. I think the drive before that, they had a punt on a three and out, and then they started the game with the three and out. Other than that, you're right, Wes, they, they drove every single one, every single other time. They either got a field goal attempt or made field goal or a touchdown aside from that end of half situation. So, um, 
you know, that that was what they had to do was just go out and play a clean game. We mentioned it in our, our Path to Victory sto- uh, feature on GamecockCentral.com. I, I kept it pretty broad. I said, look, just play a clean game. Don't shoot yourself in the foot with penalties. Don't turn the football over. And they were able to do that. You know, great third down defense. Again, some plays that you didn't really like defensively, but they bared down when they needed to. And uh, offensively, I think, again, we're talking about this after every single game. We're talking about it in the context of a win now, but the adjustments that were made really after that first drive from about second quarter on offensively, they were really good and did a lot of what they wanted against Vanderbilt. Yeah, and I think we're continuing, Chris, to see the offense, I would say, maybe find its identity a little bit. It was an efficient day overall. And, and again, I mean, I, I know everybody – I know watching watching the game, it felt like a really sluggish start, and people were saying, this is about to be ugly. But I, th- I think when you gain the context of going back and watching the thing as a whole, and, again, fir- first drive is three and out. But guess what? That Sometimes that happens in football. And you could even argue, you know, South Carolina comes out throwing the football, trying to spread the field vertically a little bit, you know, trying to open things up, which they didn't hit any of those balls, but maybe sets the tone for you a little bit that the DBs are going to have to be aware of that for the rest of the game. So you have three and out, but then even then you have a field goal, a missed field goal, and then the 96-yard drive. So not exactly LSU circa 2019 offensively, you know, coming out, but you could already sort of see what they were trying to do And then, uh, you know, Muschamp mentioned adjustments in the running game. I haven't completely gotten through my rewatch yet. I'm curious to see early on, they were doing a lot of movement up front as far as pulling multiple offensive linemen, trying to pull guys to the outside, um, some pin and pull, you know, like we saw a lot of last year. I'm curious to see what they did differently as the game goes on. It's really hard to tell live and sometimes even going back and watching. It's such a, sort of down in the minutia thing that it, it's sort of hard to always notice exactly what they did differently. But when Muschamp says we made these adjustments to the running game, not even mid, not even at halftime, right? Yeah. When he says we made adjustments on the fly and it's crediting Bobo, the offensive staff, and even it sounded Chris like some stuff they didn't bring into the game. So, you know, most games – so, so you have your complete offensive package, right? Like your entire playbook. And you've worked on that stuff preseason. You've worked on that stuff at some point, you know, maybe for a different game. But then you sort of whittle it down per game, uh, you know, offensively. So you whittle it down. This is what you come into the game with. You add your wrinkles, add your things in that you think are going to hit against this opponent. But you maybe don't work on some things that week if you don't think you're going to use them in the game. From what Muschamp said, essentially there were some things that they had practiced before but weren't necessarily in the game plan at all for this week that they inserted into the game plan in the running game. And I, I think that's that's a good sign, man, because how many times did we talk about a lack? As the year went on last year, how many times did we talk about a lack of adjustments offensively yeah. and just not being able to find something 
that could work for you on offense in the second half of games last year? I mean, it was I, – I don't know if I could say it was the biggest storyline for last year, but it was one of them, right? I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. There were a ton of storylines last season, and that was one. And, uh, you know, we talked about it preseason – and just that Mike Bobo, he was expected to make a difference there. This is a guy that's been around a while. He's seen a lot. He's gone up against a lot of the people that he's going to go up against. And he's just been around for so long, that experience factor where, you know, there have been times in the past where South Carolina has carried a good game plan into games, but then maybe teams adjust and they sort of drop off, right? And what we've seen from this team in the first three games, recognizing that they have, have only won one of those, but – they have squeezed more out of this offense than I think most people or reasonable people would have anticipated, given the challenges that we knew they were going to be facing from a personnel standpoint. And they've been able to score points in the second half against Tennessee, against Florida, and then, of course, against Vanderbilt when you look at from the second quarter on. And, and they've also put together, you know, since the second half of the Florida game, really, you could even date it back to the second half of Tennessee. They put together some consistency on offense. They're not lighting up the scoreboard, right? But they're able to go out and be a factor. They're able to be a threat to score some points, to be a threat to move the chains. And that's been one of the biggest differences in this team being able to stay on the field some. That helps your defense. You know, defense has got to play better, of course, at times, especially with the explosive plays or some of the run plays, some of the consistency. Um, but that's something that Mike Bobo has really brought to this team. And, you know, it's hard to – going back to your point about the runs, it, it, it's hard for us to know exactly what they carried into the game from a, from a playbook standpoint, what they got to, what they didn't get to. You know, in the second half, I do know just from watching stuff, you know, they did run some power. They ran some speed option. They ran, um, you know, some zone stuff. They put in the pitch. Now, was that already there? I don't know. But, you know, the pitch – to Deshaun Fenwick, you know, in the second quarter. So uh, the Kevin Harris play, you know, on the 88-yarder, that was Wes, you broke that one down actually on the Twitter sphere earlier, and, and that was one that they they blocked really, really well, obviously, and Kevin Harris had to make one guy miss, and he, and he did it. So I thought they carried, you know, they, they've had some versatility, and I think the fact that they were able to show that and that the players and staff had the confidence to go do that, yes, it was against Vandy, but that was certainly a positive, I think, and, and they didn't play down to the competition at all. Yeah, especially, like I said, adjusting on the fly, you know, as Muschamp said they did, very impressive. And I, I think Gamecock Russ here, who very loyal watcher here of our show, um, I think he says it well. He Bobo gives the offense a chance, right? Like this isn't, this isn't an offense that is going to go up and down the field on teams. Um although they did at times against Vandy, but against most teams, they're not going to just go up and down the field. That is an expectation that will leave you disappointed, I think, if you're a Carolina fan. But do you have a chance going into the game? Do you feel like they're, that from a game plan standpoint, the guy dialing this thing up is going to give you a shot? Yes. Now, is that there, there's probably at some point going to be a game this year where it just doesn't click, and everybody's saying, what in the world was that? You know, odds are there's going to be a – you're going to – you know, Georgia's defense, yeah. what we've seen so far, outstanding. They're going to yeah. they're gonna make some really good offenses potentially look bad. So can that happen? Yes. But I, I think just big picture going in week to week it really gives you a chance. And I, I think that's, that, that's something that as a Carolina fan, 
if you're listening or watching, that, that should make you feel good. Um, Rodney, by the way, I don't know if Rodney – and maybe I've missed this, but is this Sea Hill or is this Chill? Because if Colin Hill's nickname is now Chill, that is perfect. That That is the perfect nickname for it Colin is. Hill because this guy with – Everything going crazy around him is chill. He's cool. He's calm. He's collected. And I think, Chris, in a game with where the weather was, I would say the weather was a factor, but then it wasn't a factor in a weird way. Like, it should have been a factor. You know, like it should – the rain should have been a huge factor in this game. But having a guy at quarterback who – keeps the ball out of danger and handles it well, was even able to run and, and get some some positive yardage at, at times. Uh, that That's critical in any SEC game, but certainly in one that could have gotten messy, that could have gotten – I mean, we've seen games where it rains consistently and it just becomes a turnover fest, right? That, that never really happened for South Carolina in this one. So – I go back to Colin Hill, the command of this offense. The uh, Some of the throws he made were very impressive as well, but just putting the ball in the right spot again. I think we're going to be a broken record by the end of the year saying that, but it's still worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, you look at you know, the Tennessee game. They had the pick six where the ball looked a little bit you know, tipped and – that was a play where just a bunch of things went wrong. But other than that, you know, I think the Florida game where he sort of dropped it in between two defenders is a little dangerous. Um, the ball to Josh Van that he didn't quite come down with. I think the defender got like a fingertip on it. But there haven't been a lot of throws where you've gone, man, that's a terrible decision. You know, I know some people have made, you know, yeah. And look, there were some throws even in this game. I, I recall just one off the top of my head. I think it might have been on that first drive where he throws the ball to Mullins, and it was in traffic a little bit. It was a ball that could have been caught, and he had Kevin Harris had just sort of leaked out little angular sort of route and had him open, and Harris might have gotten a first down, you know, after he ran the football and probably would have run somebody over, run around somebody. But, you know, so people point those things out. But I do think with Colin, you got to understand that I think early in the game they were making a concerted effort, right, to be a little bit more aggressive. And he has done a really good job of, of taking what they give you, you know. Um, and with this offense, a lot of people have been clamoring for take more shots, do this. And, and they do. Look, they need to hit some of those plays or they're not going to be able to play up, you know, to some of the better competition like a Georgia that they're going to have. They're going to have to hit some of those plays. But also you have to recognize with that they have not shown – the receivers have not shown a lot of explosive potential, right? And so more downfield passes may just be more incompletions. And we even saw that against Vanderbilt, right? There were some downfield throws they hit. There were some they didn't hit. So that's an area in which they need to continue to grow. But I think for Colin Hill and for Mike Bobo, they've done a good job of structuring the offense in a way that's going to give them a chance. And then they've done a pretty good job of executing that um, enough to where they've, you know, they've scored enough points in all these games to win. I mean, just to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And so – I mean, by the way, real quick, back to the chill nickname, um, Rodney Creel. I I don't, I haven't seen that anywhere else. Rodney, here on GC Live, we're officially giving you credit. Um, but hey, put your put your Twitter 
If you're on Twitter, Rodney, put your Twitter handle on here. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna shout that out. And also uh, shoot shoot me an email, man. Wes at GamecockCentral.com. I might be able to hook you up with something. Uh, that that's a good one. I, I think we can actually make that stick. So yeah. let's uh, let's let's make that happen. Put that out there into the world. Uh, good stuff. That that is perfect. So all right, let's um. I guess let's shoot over to defense and then we'll maybe work our way back around the offense. But if we're going to talk about the defense, Chris, it has to start with the, the words, Ernest Jones, um, dude. So just all over the field, you know, making tackles sideline to sideline works off of blocks, uh, you know, disengage. Must have talked about the defensive lineman not able to disengage, um, you know, from, from blocks. And I, I think you look, Ernest is able to do that. You look at the key fourth down, which I, I think really sort of just changed the entire complexion of the game. If if Vanderbilt scores a touchdown there, maybe they get a little momentum on offense. Maybe they feel a letter, little better about themselves. And it, it's sort of – Maybe it stays interesting for a little bit longer. But Vandy doesn't score there. And then basically I would say South Carolina shoves it down their throat after that with a 96-yard run. That's such just a a momentum killer. And and Ernest Jones is obviously the one chasing down that play. Great coverage on the back end too, so don't don't want to take away from anybody else on that play. But, man, Ernest – I think we've seen – for me, he's probably played the best consistently through three games of anyone on this defense. Um, I don't know if he would grade out that way. I don't know what the coaches have him at. But just as far as consistently making plays for this defense and being there and being a leader and being the voice and the, you know all the things you want from a middle linebacker, for me – 53 is that dude. Yeah, I thought it was his best game of the year, maybe one of the best he's played. Um, He's so important. I mean, you you look at that game, Ernest Jones, you know, has to come off because his helmet comes off. So by rule, you got to go off the field, and they call a timeout. And Muschamp was asked about that afterwards, if it was to get Ernest back on the field, because after the timeout, of course, you can go back on the field. And he said – he admitted that was part of it. Part of it was their defensive look, but I tend to think that was a huge part of it. He's so important, and that was a, a you know an important situation. Vanderbilt's down there, potentially about to score, and so you want to make sure Ernest Jones, which is the guy, is their Mike linebacker. He's responsible for getting everybody set, making sure they're in the right call, being able to check into different calls. Um, you know, he's a guy that's taking leadership and ownership, and so to have him out there is really paramount, and so. Having him healthy, obviously, is important. Um, he hasn't missed a bunch of snaps at all this year. He's been on the field a ton. And so you look at the you know, the fourth down play he made where he's responsible for the quarterback on that boot, and he sort of shoots through some trash sort of immediately and, and goes and makes the play. And, you know, there were some other plays where he created some tackles for loss situations. Just done a really good job being in position. And I think – Credit him because he was pushed by Muschamp and the coaching staff of, you know, hey, you played pretty good the first two games, but we need more and you can be better. And he's the type of kid that's going to take that challenge to heart. And I think we saw that, you know, in game three. So it would be big for this defense if he can continue, you know, playing better. 
Yeah, I thought, um, by the way, maybe a, a forgotten guy in that sequence, on, you know, the third down play, um, and Craig is going exactly where I was about to go. Craig Godwin on our YouTube uh, live right now uh, talking about Shiloh Sanders. Shiloh was one of the effort players of the game on defense by the staff. And if you look at the third down play, South Carolina, right after they'd used the timeout, they ran a man coverage, and Shiloh was in, at safety but was lined up on the slot guy. And Vandy basically tried to pick off Shy. Um, the entire They did a little quick throw to the flat. It was kind of like either a little flat throw or a bubble screen. I can't remember exactly what the play was. But basically – there was three receivers of that side and the two receivers were running routes to basically try to pick off the guy in man coverage with the farthest slot receiver, the farthest to the inside slot. And Shiloh hustles out there, runs through the trash and then makes tackle short of the sticks and then actually put South Carolina in position to then have the fourth down. And then Ernest Jones makes the play on, on fourth down. So Shiloh, um, you know, I think had to had to play quite a bit more, partially because it, it seems that Izzy was banged up again, and obviously Jalen Dickerson was uh, was not there. And I, I think you you look and and he's a kid who's continued to sort of come on. I, I think at times is still learning that position, but the the hustle is there, and and he I mean he's not the biggest dude, but he he hits he he brings the lumber, so. I think he's a guy I'm interested to see, Chris, how shallow continues to progress when you consider that he's not really, strangely enough, being Dion's kid, hadn't played a ton of football, mm-hmm. you know, prior. So he's another one. I wouldn't say, you know, that he he's still learning, basically. So I'm not going to get ahead of myself on this. But I do think there were some positive signs from an energy standpoint, um, speed to close down on some plays, you know, down the field that were bigger gains, but he's cleaning it up at safety. And then that, that play as well really caught my eye. That was, I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of more snaps this week for the reasons that you laid out. I think he, he's shown acti- activity. You know, he's been active. He's, he's around the football. Um, he's, he's not afraid to get physical at all, which has been really good to see. You know, when he got to South Carolina, obviously – I think he was one that people latched on to because of his name, um, the bloodlines, and, and you, you maybe expect too much too soon in, in some cases. And But he was a guy that was sort of raw. Like you said, hadn't played as much football as one would think. Also a baseball player, so, you know, split some time between those sports. So he just playing safety early. It's, where, it's a position in, in this scheme where you got to learn a lot. And so – um, he's come. He's come a long way. You know, they they felt like coming into this season, South Carolina did that he was going to be ready to step up his role, and he was needed because of you know Dickerson being out in this game. They needed somebody to step forward and, and play more. And you know, Shiloh, I think answered the call. I mean, that play stood out. There were some other plays that stood out. You know, one other one on that fourth down. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned this because we talked about Ernest Jones. So, you know. John Dixon on that play was also huge. They had, you know, they were sort of bunched up on the line and they had a re- one receiver out to the right, right off the line. And Dixon was the guy sort of on the island out there. And he ran an inside route and Dixon lets him go and goes with the running back who was leaking out to the right and made sure that he had that covered 
didn't go for the quarterback and leave the guy behind him. You know, he, he came off his guy, trusted the help behind him, and made the right read there that made the quarterback, Ken Seals, try to extend the play out and ultimately get tackled. So a lot of things went right on that one. John Dixon, I think, is continuing to play well. You know, so there, there were some good – is this offense – Vanderbilt's offense not good, guys, at, at all. But there were some still some good signs from some of the young players. I think one thing that was – might be getting a little off topic, a little disconcerting that Muschamp mentioned. You hit on this earlier, Wes. The defensive line play, it was good at times, but still had some inconsistencies. We saw uh, Vandy's running back. I mean, I would say – I went through the stats a little bit earlier. Four out of his first seven or eight runs were eight yards a clip. It's not something you can afford, you know. So that was something that he wasn't too happy about, you know, just in terms of they need to clean up some of the stuff with gap integrity and fighting through some of those blocks and and disengaging a little bit better. That's something that you, I think, can take away from this game that they've got to continue to improve. Yeah, and I think, Chris, you if you were just to glance at these stats – and I, at some point, I want to get back to the third down efficiency on defense because that is a continued positive for South Carolina. But if you were just, you know, glance at these stats, you'd say, well, South Carolina had 484 yards of total offense, Vandy 249, Carolina 196 through the air, Vandy 173, and then South Carolina 289 yards on the ground, Vandy 76 yards rushing on 33 carries for 2.3 yards per rush. And you'd say, wow, South Carolina did a really good job defensively against the run. But then because of the fact that in college football, the sack totals are added, well, subtracted basically to, you know, from the overall rushing totals, which makes no sense at all. And you see that Vandy lost – let's see, 20 yards um, on carries by Ken Seals. So, you know, their quarterback. And then they had they had a six-yard loss that was on, I guess, a reverse by Tyrell Alexander, the, the running back. But point being, when Bandy's just lining up and running the football, um, the Henry Brooks kid – he has 13 carries for 72 yards, which is a 5.5 yards per carry average. Their other back has six for 27, uh, which is a 4.5 yards per carry. So when they're actually running, you know, when you sort of dial it down to the guys who are actually running the football, I think Muschamp is seeing that and saying that's far too much success allowed. And he's probably – what would the word be? He's like extrapolating it to what would have happened. And he's never going to say this, but what would that have looked like if it was against an offense with the skill guys to really hurt you? Yep. Because Vandy, I was looking, Will um, Helms said South Carolina, according to PFF, had two missed tackles defensively in this entire game. Which, again, let, let's have perspective. That means, yes, you, you did some really good things defensively. That also, Chris, probably means you were not facing athletes with the ability to make you look bad in open space. Yep. So if that 
if if the same amount of room was available, as in that's the sa- the same amount of room was blocked for for a much better running back. Let's say I don't know Tank Bigsby this Saturday, who everybody that follows South Carolina recruiting is very familiar with. Yeah. If Tank Bigsby has quite a bit of room to operate, he makes a guy miss, and then a six-yard run is a seventeen-yard run. You know, and it, it sort of builds on itself as the as the game goes along. So I think that's Muschamp sort of being honest and saying, look, there were positives, but we we can't have that against better teams or better backs, I think. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Yeah. No, it's a great point. I mean, a lot of the – and it it goes along with that same line of thinking when Muschamp has said – he said it repeatedly, especially after the Florida game, even carrying over to Vandy, you're going to have missed tackles as a team, and people get upset about that. But it is being realistic. You do not go into an SEC football game and play Florida and Tennessee. You go play Georgia, Auburn. You don't get through those and say, man, zero missed tackles. That's awesome. It just it just literally doesn't happen. doesn't mean you know, you accept it and just say, ah, it doesn't matter. We're not going to worry about tackling because we'll just we'll just try our best. That's not, that's not the attitude. It's just saying when you play good skill position guys, the other team has offensive coordinators and really good players too. They're going to get their guys in space. And if they've got elite talent like a bunch of SEC teams do, they're going to get their guys in positions and those guys are going to make some plays. So you're going to miss some tackles. So we saw it against Florida. A lot of one-on-one situations. Kyle Pitts, he won some one-on-ones, whether it was – winning with a route, winning with a really good catch. We saw Kadarius Tony winning with a route, winning with a catch, and then a finish after the catch. So now what happened on that play, obviously, is not something you can you can have. Um, you want to avoid more when you've got an opportunity to get a guy down, get him down, you know, um, especially in a gang tackling situation. But, yeah, we, we know you look, Vanderbilt, they don't have, and that's something Chris Lee from Vandy Sports talked about, they don't have a lot of downfield threats. Their running game isn't dynamic. I think what we saw from them is something that you can be, you know, concerned about. It's not something you can – this game, you can't get too high or too low about it. You know, you can't take the defensive performance and say everything's fixed. You can't take the offensive performance and say everything's fixed because of the the level, you know, of, of talent that you're going against. But it is pretty obvious that some of those things in the run game, they still need to get cleaned up because an eight-yard run – against Vanderbilt could be, I don't know, it could be 80 <laughs> against another team. Yeah, man, and I think um, – absolutely, and I lost my train of thought for a second there. I want to go back before we forget. And, yes, Tank um, – people were talking about Tank in the comments. Tank, Tank's a dude, man, and I, we'll, we'll talk more and more about him as the, as the week goes on. But I was watching them against Arkansas. I was like, yep. There's a reason that guy was one of South Carolina's top overall targets. And Tank, a little bit – not that their their styles their styles are different, but Tank in one way is very much like Kevin Harris in that I feel like Tank is going to bring – he's going to bring the lumber throughout the game, right? Like Tank 
Tank is a very well put together kid, and you got to be ready to tackle this dude all night long. And um, really, that's that's a guy. If South Carolina had could have added him into what they have already at running back, um, you're talking about something really really special. But that, that's neither here nor there. So, all right, Chris, South Carolina third down defense efficiency forces Vandy to be one of eleven which has quickly become one of the greatest strengths of this defense is, is getting off the field. Um, Vandy, Chris, was also 0 for 3 on fourth down. So essentially you're talking about being 1 for 14 on sort of get off the field situations. That is, I would say, probably the, the best we've seen South Carolina be in, in sort of this category. Now, will there be some type of, I would call it, regression to the mean at some point? I, you know, I, I need to pull up the numbers. I think South Carolina's given up like six first downs on third downs this year in three games, which is a crazy good number. Uh, it's probably going to sort of, you, I don't know if you can keep up that pace on third downs, is what I'm saying. But still, for, to do it through three games against, some pretty good talent the first two weeks. Um, it's certainly something worth talking about. Yeah, and I mean, that that gives you some reason for encouragement. Now, it's not going to stay that, you know, the rest of the year. But to play, you know, it, it wasn't just an outlier against Vanderbilt because even in the first two ball games, they were solid, you know, in terms of third down conversions. It was what we saw against Florida and Tennessee was – mistakes and we saw explosive plays and so those are the types of things that South Carolina is really going to have to avoid going forward so if they can they can get a little bit better in those areas and you know you know preventing explosive plays I mean there's a lot that goes into that it's a complex thing from your front to tackling to ball in the air or maybe a quarterback overthrows it maybe drops it in there's just so many different things at play whether you're talking about explosive plays offensively and trying to prevent them on defense um you know, it's very complex. And so if they can get better in that area, they're not going to stay at this. They're not going to hold people one for 11 on third down. It's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, Georgia or Auburn, they could come out and have third nine all day. They're probably not going, you know, one for 11. So uh, they they are going to have to find that balance. They're going to have to do a better job of limiting those explosive plays, not having penalties to keep the team back on the field. Things like that is again. This is a this is a margin a low margin of error team still, but if they can take that type of performance on third down, stay good in that area and get a little bit better at the other areas, yes, yeah, it's going to give them a chance to improve defensively. Um, but this is a team that yeah they've improved offensively and defensively on third down. That was a huge area um, for this team to improve on. They've done they've done better in both categories from what we know. Yeah, you see the uh, the numbers right there for the season. Six conversions allowed on 31 attempts, a 19.35% conversion rate for opponents. So that's um, that's pretty crazy. But like you said, there's no way you keep up at that clip. But even if I get, I mean, if you look at the numbers here, if you can hold a team into the 30s, basically a 30% uh, conversion rate you're doing pretty dang good. And you look all the way at the bottom there, Ole Miss. 
I don't, dude, I don't know if I've ever seen South Carolina give up just 19% of their, uh, you know, first downs on third down. I don't know if I've ever seen a team through three games give up 64% of yeah. versions on third down, which is what right. happened to Ole Miss. Exactly. And our friend Louie Antonelli made a good point. He said UF wasn't held to a third down until well into the second quarter. So that, that does play a factor. You look at South Carolina's attempts, they're also – it looks like they faced almost the lowest number of attempts in the SEC, right? So that mm-hmm. can be – a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously, when you get to third down situations, you want to get off the field. So you look, then you look at what is the rate. So the rate is really good. If you have a low number, that can be bad sometimes because that means maybe you're giving up explosives, your teams are moving the chains, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But you know, so we've seen some of that for South Carolina. But what we do know is the rate's good. Man, who would have had LSU, Auburn, Alabama, and Florida being in like the bottom half of the SEC? Um, in that category, right? I mean, you look at some of the t- – I mean, South Carolina's near the top, Arkansas's top five or top six. Kentucky, I mean, we knew they'd be pretty good defensively, but some some strange numbers in terms of the defense. And I guess Alabama and Ole Miss both hurt their numbers after the after the game that they had on Saturday. Yeah. Um, by the way, Lou, I love you, man, but I'm not happy with you right now. I believe I saw Lou uh, commenting, go Dodgers earlier so i cannot roll with that lou i think that was him the comments come through super fast but go braves we're gonna get game one tonight sorry um let's see craig yes uh, jaheem bell has been back on the uh, field and practice and uh i I don't know man i've had we've had a couple people ask you know how quickly like could jaheem bell make an impact this year and Chris, I would say that's kind of hard to answer at this point because there's so there's so many guys at, at tight end. Now, the cream ultimately rises to the top. But you look at Eric Shaw and the the way Muschamp talks about him, what you know, what we've heard about Eric Shaw, the fact that he got back and sort of was able to get into the mix a little bit quicker. Um it it'll be it'll be interesting to see with that tight end rotation ends up being as the year goes on. Because I, I do think we'll pro- we're probably going to see and, – and I forgot another question from earlier I want to get back to that plays into this. I think we're probably going to continue to see more and more of two tight ends on the field at the same time. We saw a decent amount of that against uh, Vandy. They had – so you know the play that started the 96-yard drive, um, the, uh, the ball to, to Nick Muse that really got South Carolina out of the shadow of their own goal line um, was a two tight end deal where they had both wide receivers to the right, both tight ends to the left, a very like vertical type play where you had one tight end running a post, the other one running a corner and Vandy's defenders just got all out of wacky. One, one was definitely a post. The other was more of like a corner or a wheel route, like an out an outbreaking type type route. And basically if, Colin Hill wanted to throw to Muse, as he did, he could have. If he wanted to throw to Kevion Mullins, he could have as well. Literally, Vandy couldn't decide who to choose and thus covered nobody on that play as far as (laughs) the tight ends go. But point being, I think there are some things you can do when you have tight ends that can run. Um, You know, I think this is a big 
confidence building game for Nick Muse after having some drops. He he had a drop early in this game as well, but made some big catches. Uh, was is really good after the catch, and I, I think if you can get Mullins going, Will Register brings you something in the blocking department. They do use Prentice sort of as that H back at times, but then bring on an Eric Shaw, bring on a Jaheim Bell. I think we're going to continue to see those guys maybe on the field more and more as the year progresses potentially. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, you got to remember about Eric and Jaheim. Talent-wise, I mean, probably only Nick Muse is comparable just into – well, I'm just talking about raw talent, right? But the issue for these guys is they missed, you know, talking about Eric, and I think Jaheim's around the same timeline. I mean, they missed eight weeks. I mean, you're missing OT, the OTA style stuff. Then you're missing preseason camp. I mean, that's hard. That's hard for anybody. It's hard for a freshman, you know, a true freshman to come in and do that um, with other guys that have been around longer, you know, whether it's Muse, whether it's Kevion Mullins, who's still young in his tight end progression, but he's been on the field, you know, uh, Will Register, Keyshawn Tony. I mean, there, there are guys that have played more. Talent-wise, they've got a lot of it. And so, uh, you know, Jaheim is – 6'3", 230 right now, told he looks really good. Um, Eric Shaw, you know, is going to continue to get bigger, but he's athletically, he's one of the better guys on the roster just in terms of raw talent and athleticism, just huge upside. So that's going to be the thing is how can you work them in situationally? Can they can they continue to progress and make that move quickly? Perhaps so. But I was also intrigued, Wes, by some of those, like you mentioned, that some of the two tight end sets, the way they use Prentice, he had some really good blocks, you know, the one that you pointed out on the Kevin Harris run, the uh, sweep that I mentioned to Sean Fenwick earlier. He made a key block out on the edge there that helped bring him. So, you know, Prentice only played. I mean, his typical snap count is going to be, I think, 15, 16 snaps, something like that. But uh, he's out there making an impact when he's on the field. Yeah, go, um, go watch either Justin – if you look on Justin King's Twitter – um, or my Twitter uh, at West Metro GC, I, I retweet, commented it or whatever. Um, go watch that view of the Kevin Harris long touchdown run because, um, man, the uh, <laughs> the blocking on that play, absolutely perfect and, and just beautifully done. Um, I sort of broke it down a little bit there, but the way – and, dude, Prentice put his guy on skates – like just hammered him out of the play. And then there's really one guy to beat. And and if if you do your job on any given running play, that's what you want, right, is you're running back with one guy. And mm-hmm. you need to have the back who can handle that one guy, who can make that guy miss. And, and the, the Vandy 422 took an awful route to the ball, <laughs> took an awful angle, and then Kevin just ran right by him. Um, which, man, Kevin – I think what we're seeing, and I, I let's see, I, I, I get the two shows because I, I did another show right before I came on, so I don't know. I forget what I say in what show. But I have a little bit of a theory, Chris, on Kevin Harris, and I, I think oh. we're um, – we talked about him a little bit, but we probably deserve Kev, giving Kevin, Kevin even more airtime here because he's been outstanding. But – for one, I think we're I mean, Kevin Harris has been a true workhorse back for South Carolina. And we've seen them already. I mean, I remember going into game one 
this was going to be running backs by committee. And, I mean, you do the snap counts every week. We're seeing South Carolina adjust into, hey, let's get 20 the football. Yeah. And my part of my theory, man, is that I think football more and more in practice – you're even if you're doing scrimmaging a lot of times, other than maybe your one or two big preseason scrimmages, you're thudding, right? Like you're not tackling guys to the ground because you're trying to keep kids healthy. I think that Kevin Harris's skill set, the things that he does very, very well, really play up in an actual football game. Like there were probably signs of it in practice. And I I think they were happy with Kevin. They talked about his consistency, how hard he's worked. And he was the number, there was a reason he was the starter, but this also was a running back battle that had, that had or on the depth chart. It said Kevin Harris or Deshaun Fenwick. So man, I, I think when Kevin gets into an actual sec football game and those guys have to, actually bring him to the turf and they have to do it over and over and over again that hit, you know, the way Muschamp always says it is there, there's nothing soft to hit on this guy. <laughs> I think all those things play up in a real football game. And maybe we're not even that apparent in a practice where you're not having to bring a guy to the ground. Yeah. It, it's a, it's an interesting theory. And I, I think I agree, you know, and, Look, when Marshawn Lloyd went down, the first person I pointed to, we knew that Kevin Harris would get more snaps, obviously, because of that, and he would be the guy that went out there snap one. And he'd be solid, maybe. Tennessee, and we thought he'd be good, and then Fenwick would get more carries because of that. And we pointed, or I pointed, I'll put myself there, I pointed at Zaquandre White and said, this is the guy that's going to have a big opportunity to rise. Um, and he's played some, you know, against Tennessee and against uh, – Vanderbilt, but Harris has just from the start, he's just made it happen. I mean, you go down here, the looks pretty good in the second half against Tennessee and then against Florida. He's the first back since Marcus Lattimore at uh, this, you know, since 2000 to rush for 100 down in the swamp. And then he has this game against Vanderbilt. And so, you know, when he's, he's done a good job vision wise, has been better than I've anticipated. If he's in the open field, I mean, Gosh, we hadn't commissioned a study on it, but has has the first guy brought him down? Probably not very often, you know, maybe here and there. But um, if if he's upright going full steam ahead forward, there's not many guys that are going to tackle him immediately right off the bat if he's got a little bit of a window. So he's been a little bit more elusive than I anticipated. And certainly we knew he's a big, powerful guy, but he's looked faster even. So He's just – he's been a revelation for South Carolina. He's been huge for this team. And second in the SEC in rushing right now, um, you know, behind the, the Bama kid. And But, man, I think all, all of the things we just talked about, I thought Kevin would be solid at all those, in all those areas. Yeah. yeah. But I, I didn't think he would be phenomenal. And he – it's a little bit – the way – the way he runs, and I mean that literally like the, his gait, like the way his running motion tricks your eyes a little bit because he run, he has a unique running style 
Um, he runs a little bit stiff almost, but it tricks your eye into thinking that he's not as fast as he actually is because we saw we saw the run. Obviously, everybody saw the long run against Vandy, but even some of these outside runs that they've used him in, and it doesn't always look like he's going that fast around the edge, but he always seems to be able to turn the corner, which tells you he's fast. He's as fast as he needs to be in any given scenario. So I think you go back, Chris, and I think I'm going to write a story on this, but the guy didn't have a bunch of offers, and he comes to South Carolina's camp. Do you remember what he ran in the 40 at, at camp? Because that was that was one of the big questions. I think it was 4-5-5. Five, five. That, that sounds right to me as well. 4-5 range, but I think it's 4-5-5 five, five or so. They, they liked the film. They wanted to see him. And, you know, that's something Chris and I, one of the best parts of our job, we're out there watching these guys at camp in the, in the summer and getting a feel for them. And here's this Kevin Harris kid had an offer from, what, like Army? Uh, yeah. It was Service Academy. That Service Academy offers, yep. Comes in very, very just under the radar. South Carolina wants to see him run, see, you know, put the 40-yard dash on him, see what he runs. They offer him. He commit that day, Chris. Yeah, he did. Yeah. On him, you know, takes his opportunity, commits, boom. And again, even as much as I like to think and feel like we have a uh, feel for the pulse of this team and what's happening, he has by far exceeded my expectations for him this year. And Dude, I'll even, to your point about the first guy, there was a play early in the game where, and, you know, they, they've been using all these little swing passes to the running backs where Colin Hill swings the ball out to Kevin Harris, and the Vandy defender played it absolutely perfectly. And he comes out there, and the two of them just collide and just bounce off of each other. And the thing about Kevin, too, though, is his balance is so good. Even if he slams into somebody – it's like he recovers and then just starts going forward and, yeah. and would have been stopped short on that play, but instead picked up a first down, you remain on the field, and you uh you you know you, you're able to sort of keep your offense moving, which obviously is the uh, is the name of the game. I had a question earlier about receivers, Chris. Still a work in progress other than Shy Smith. What are your thoughts on what we're seeing from other guys? I would say at least, again, you sort of see these little glimmers, little flashes from Xavier Leggett. I think we saw that again on Saturday. I'd go back to what Will Muschamp said on his – actually on his post-game uh, TV show in that he, he was talking about the Xavier Leggett catch, the one where he – over the middle where he dove for it, ball was sort of underthrown, and he, he sort of scooped it up. Really, really difficult catch and uh, got his hands under it, and he said that was a confidence builder. And so that's something that's been talked a lot about with some of these guys, whether it's to carry on Joyner or Xavier Leggett. they got to build some confidence. they got to get some balls that come their way, and they got to be able to make those plays, and that hasn't always happened. So hopefully for South Carolina and for him, you know, that can happen. Um, they got to get more of a vertical presence throughout this season. And so Xavier is the guy that you'd sort of pinpoint. Can he be that 50-50 ball guy? Can he go make some plays, not only in space, but vertically? And so maybe he's got the skill set to do that. So 
they just got to get more consistent. They got to bring some guys along. You know, Josh Van still hasn't been, you know, he, I know he had at least one catch in the game. I remember he sort of slipped, could have gotten closer to the chains. Josh Van's done a good job blocking. Um, seriously. Uh, there was the Colin Hill touchdown run. One of them, um, the longer touchdown run, you know, Josh had his back to a guy because he was out in a route and then immediately recognized it and blocked his guy out of the picture. Um, there was another play, I think against Florida in which he did that. So, that's, look, that's a big part of it, playing playing receivers successfully. So, it, I think look, it's gonna it's gonna continue to be a storyline. Can, can they have guys, aside, not named Shy Smith, get open against Auburn and get open against Georgia? And it's gonna be a, an ongoing question. But can Xavier Leggett carry what he did and and, and have some confidence? Even to carry on Joiner not catching that ball, but just going on a reverse and scoring a touchdown. Will that? spark some confidence. Can this group get better as they go along? You know, maybe. And, and that's something that I think is going to be huge, but it's still a big question mark. Yeah. And Ernest asked, uh, will team back the box and play more man coverage? Absolutely. I, I think that's what you're going to see. Vandy, from what I saw, you know, they, they just don't have the horses y'all. They, they were playing. I saw them playing quite a bit of zone, I think. And Carolina was able to get some guys open underneath that. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm sort of barely through the first half in my like detailed rewatch, but in the first half, lots of zone, lots of stuff open, open underneath and down the seams. And, um, you know, that, that's just not the same as what some of these teams that recruit very well at defense, you know, defensive back and Auburn and LSU. I mean, it's going to be very different trying to get open against teams, but I absolutely, those teams, I absolutely think you're right, Ernest. You're going to see more man coverage and more, you know, an extra guy in the box as the year goes on. Speaking of building confidence and to carry on Joiner, I think worth pointing out, man, the reaction from the sidelines when to carry on Joiner scores that long touchdown. And I think it was Spurrier that used to talk about the morale builder of having a big win and just being able to empty your bench, you know, get some guys on the field. Zaquandre White gets to play. Benny Murphy and all the backup offensive linemen get on the field. Um, Trey Adkins actually played earlier in the game, a walk-on receiver. Uh, but Mo Kaba gets in on defense. Cam Smith gets to pick off a pass. Um, you know, after we all saw the, the game one, the way the season sort of started for him. That, I guarantee, after the way last year ended and the way this year started, there's probably not been a better day in that football facility than coming back to work after winning a game and everybody getting to play on Sunday. So that that is something you absolutely can build off of. A key game, we're going to talk about it all week long, but a turning point opportunity for South Carolina coming up this week but Chris, just watching the reaction of guys and being genuinely happy for their teammates, um, I talked about it on Twitter. Zaquandre White is the is the team hype man. Watch number eleven; he's always hyping somebody up. He's always on the sideline. That guy should be a strength coach when he's done playing football because he has more energy than anybody I've ever seen. But dude, it had to feel good for those guys coming back to practice, getting that winning feeling. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it, somebody put it to me like this after the game. He said, just winning 
just cures so many evils. You know, it makes everything so much easier, you know, because then you're going to think about after a loss or like a losing streak, which is what South Carolina has been dealing with dating back to last year. And then they're, they're dealing with a long streak of losing more than they win. You don't have that result to point to. So you're sitting here, you're going through, not going through the motions, so to speak, because I don't want to insinuate that the guys aren't trying hard. They are. But when you don't have that result to point to, and that's something Muschamp's talked about a lot, it, it makes it more difficult to go throughout the week and prepare. And then if you get knocked down again, that makes it tougher. So, yeah, I mean, what was it an inferior opponent? Sure. But, I mean, just get back in the win column is something that helps a lot, and it can build confidence. This team needs some confidence. They've have they've gone toe to toe the first two weeks, but they want to win. They needed a win, and so they're able to get one. They're able to get it in a fashion in which they're not sitting there going, "Why are we in a nail biter with Vandy in the fourth quarter?" You know, I mean, you know, there was none of that. And so Chandler, you said what you end up with is what you talked about: Vinnie Murphy and Manos playing, and Wyatt Campbell and Chandler Farrell playing defensive tackle and uh, tight end in the same game. You know, you even got a dose of that. So. As a good thing, and, and so maybe it's something that uh, as, you know, people aren't going to look around at that result and be impressed by it, nor should they be, but you get a win when, when you should have, and you do it in a way that perhaps built some confidence for some guys. Yeah, Vandy, again, not a great football team at all, but South Carolina doing what they were supposed to do in the rain, on the road, self-starting sort of. There's no fans. There was some – I did notice – TV, there was some annoying person yelling for Vandy, some annoying Mike person. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'd have wanted to beat Vandy just to shut that person up. But, you know, I, I think to go down there and do what you were supposed to do, worth commending for this team. Chris, I think that's about it. We're at an hour. You got any final thoughts or should we just roll it on into tomorrow, man? Let's roll it on into tomorrow. Let's we'll start talking about Auburn a little bit. Looking forward to sort of diving into that matchup. Yep, so South Carolina players will talk Tuesday morning. We'll have complete coverage of that on Gamecock Central. Will Muschamp will talk at 1230. We'll have coverage of that. And then Chris and I will be right back here on your screen or on your podcast platform, and we'll break down everything that the players and Will Muschamp had to say, and we'll start diving in to this huge key. Circle it. Chris, should I tell them about what I emailed you all last week, or should I just keep that? Uh, about my prediction or should I just keep that in house? No, 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 no. If it's any sort of prediction, you have to string it out as long as possible. As okay. Team. Yeah. I got you. All right. Next, later in the week, I'll tell I'll show everybody what I emailed Chris and our boss uh, shoemaker last week. So, all right, y'all enjoyed it. Appreciate all the comments. If we missed a question along the way, I apologize. We'll get to you next time and uh, we'll see y'all tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.